Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vit Muller. Welcome to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. Today, my guest is a traveling enthusiast in her mid-30s that quit her startup job in 2017 after nearly 10 years of a career that left her and her partner dissatisfied. They departed from their home port of Stockholm, Sweden in 2018 to pursue a life of adventures at sea, sailing around the world in a 40-foot sailboat. They have sailed 13,000 nautical miles since from Sweden to the Mediterranean Sea and twice across the Atlantic. They are now getting ready for a third Atlantic crossing that will take them from the Canary Islands to the south of the Caribbean Sea. Why am I talking about this? Why is this important? Well, we are all stuck at home and it's bloody COVID. So it's just really nice to hear from somebody that is able to travel. They present a true example that living a traveling lifestyle of your dreams is possible even during global COVID pandemic. So please welcome to the show, Sophie from Ryan and Sophie Sailing. If I want to have like a, a little background of the clouds, like it sounds like I'm on there. <laughs> Woo! Great to have you here, Sophie. That's awesome. Thanks, Vit. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming. It was indeed, right? We tried twice, didn't work out. I know you were you guys were sailing at the time and trying to find a little little uh stopover to do this and then you know i stopped up my time and then you stopped up your time and then there we go third time lucky we made it it's great to hear great to- so sophie tell me how this whole thing started for you and ryan like tell us to the, tell, take us to the beginning because you know there's so many people that might be listening to this they are you know living their regular let's call them regular lifestyle like me like you know having our day jobs and living you know in our home in our town but we all kind of you know have that you know, thought every now and then, like, what would it be like to go and have that uh, fr- freedom, like lifestyle or uh, uh, freedom of lifestyle to be able to travel, right? But not everybody does it. So how did you, how did you do this? I think it's a, it's a really good way to start because when we first get the idea, we were that we had that life. We went to work from nine to five, both Ryan and I were working in uh, startups at that point. And I think that we would not be here today talking to you about our sailing adventure if we did not dislike our jobs. There was a point, it was back in 2015 when we first got started, when we just come, we, we would just come home and wonder what it is that we were doing with our lives. And so there, sometimes, you know, a fate pushes you and give you a little push to put you in the right direction. That push for Ryan came in the form of a, of a goose. Oh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. So we were both pretty sportive. We were both athletic people. And at that time, we were training for Stockholm's marathons. We were both running a lot. And we were big into endurance sports. And Ryan was into mountain climbing. So he was training for a big mountain summit somewhere in Tibet. I think it was Chohayu that he was going to climb. And Ryan was on a run in Iowa, where he's from, training for Stockholm Marathon. And at kilometer 30, so he was like way far in the run, he passed by a group of geese. One of them had babies and thought that Ryan posed a threat, proceeded to attack Ryan, fly at his eyes. And Ryan, (laughs) in an attempt to escape the goose, run in the other direction, 
slipped in a puddle of mud and fell on his arm. And he dislocated his shoulder, broke the socket bone, had to have major reconstructive surgery. And pretty quickly, he realized that everything that he was training for and everything that was fun in his life, you know, aside from the job that he didn't really like. Well, I was gone for a while. And on my side, I was on the very same path, being at a job. I had been at my company for four years at that point, and I was really questioning why I was staying. You know, startup jobs, you're generally not being paid very well. It's very political, lots of things happening that you question anyways. So one day I was at work and Ryan sends me a text and he's bored and he was actually on board Penda, fantastic website. And he had read about the story of a couple our age who had sold everything to buy a sailboat. And me born at work was like, yes, this sounds like a great idea. And it's funny because, you know, every time that we tell this story, we look back at who we were and where we were sitting in 2015 and we're like, yeah, well, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> it sounds like something, something had to happen that, that, like that moment, that important, like something that, how do you say it? Like, how do you say it? Like put a wedge, wedge in into a, a kind of a rate, like because of that goose, right? Like if that goose didn't happen, do you reckon that you would eventually do this or? No, absolutely not. Maybe we would have done something else. I think that what happened is that we were just at a point in our lives, you know, where we were hitting early 30s, end of your 20s, and you've been working for a while and you start looking at your life and ask yourself, what is it that I want to do? And it ended up being sailing, but I think it could have been, you know, other things like starting a farm, moving to another country or change career. But I think that at this point, what was really happening is that we just didn't like the career path that we were on and we needed something new to focus on. And it happened to be sailing and sailing worked for us. But yeah, so without that event, we would would probably not be sailing. Maybe something else would have happened that would have pushed us in another direction. But that goose attack really, yeah, kickstarted everything. Now, so you had a career, that's an interesting one. So why people have certain careers that they feel dissatisfied in your case, that's, that's, you got to that point, but initially, obviously you, you, did you, did you choose that part of career? Did you want it to, to pursue that career initially? Well, it's a bit interesting, you know, because so I'm French, if you can't hear, uh, Ryan, my partner is American and we both met in Sweden where we were working and The reason why I moved to Sweden is because in terms of your professional life, you know, you, you work to have a good life. You do not leave for your job, which is what I experienced starting my career in France. And so I moved to Sweden so that I would have a better, it's a bit cliche to say that, but work-life balance. The problem is that at that time I was working in marketing and advertising and in Sweden, I didn't speak the language. So I had to find a way to make an income and my career took a path that I didn't really initially anticipate. I was like open to it. And I just ended up doing something that was completely unrelated to what I enjoyed doing professionally. And that left me really, you know, Mm -hmm. questioning the choices that I made. I'm still really happy that I moved to Sweden. It was a great move, amazing country, love it, became a Swedish citizen. 
But what I ended up doing professionally was just not the right thing for me. So it was that circumstance of being in that country, not speaking the language. You kind of had to do what you had to do at that at that time. Yeah, cool. Okay, awesome. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> so fast forward. So now you guys are living on the boat. So tell me about this lifestyle. What is it like? So okay, I think that we should like backtrack a little bit okay, because yeah. you know there is there is this thing that most people that dream of you know, living this lifestyle have to do, which is to learn how to deal with a boat. And Ryan and I had never lived on a boat before. We've never, we'd never been on a sailboat before. We didn't know how to sail. Mm -hmm. And that is the case for a lot of people who want to live this lifestyle. And our learning curve really impacted a lot of this experience that we have living on the boat because we're permanently learning something new because we were complete newbies when we get started so i would say that for somebody who's a routine sailor and very experienced you know living on a boat may come a lot more naturally but when you're a complete newbie it is so much that you have to learn at once it's not only how to handle your boat and maneuver it through whatever kind of weather or in and out of harbor it's also learning to repair that boat it's learning all of the systems in the boat so that's the electric system how do you produce and consume power it's uh, the toilet system because now you're in charge of that as well you know uh, you have to be self-sufficient and learn everything and, you know, the boat is not going to wait for you to learn something. The boat is going to break and then you're going to have to fix it. And you're going to have to fix a system that is probably new to you. And that's why, you know, when you ask me the question, how is it like to live on the boat? Well, it really depends where you are in your level of knowledge of mm. boats. And when we get started, we started at zero. <laughs> so it's, it's very, it's very challenging. Like imagine you living a life and all of a sudden you're going to make a change that involves, you're going to change the way that you, you house yourself because now your house is moving all the time. You're going to change the way that you feed yourself because, you know, going to the grocery store is not as convenient. And because you're traveling the world, you're going to, you whatever you find at the store is going to change based on where you are. You're going to change the way that you earn money because you transitioned from having a full-time job and a monthly salary to maybe being a remote worker. You're going to change the way that you spend the money that you earn because all of a sudden you're not paying rent anymore. You're not paying for a lot of a lot of things that would go into maintaining your lifestyle you're paying for completely different things mm. and those expenses vary a lot from one month to the other maybe in april your boat breaks a lot or it's maintenance month and you have to spend a lot of money on the boat but in july you spend all of your all of your days sailing or being on anchor and you barely uh, get the credit card out and so Everything in your life changes the moment that you move on board a boat and start moving the boat around. So it's it's a very interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that in itself, just just getting your head around the the boat, like living on the boat lifestyle that you just said. But the other thing that, that I want to point out is also the fact that you did it, you know, in in 
like in your in your thirties. You didn't do it like when you were in your twenties. So by that time, you already had an established way of lifestyle. So that in itself, also that transition must have been hard, wasn't it? It's it's really hard in the sense that it's very tiring. Like you don't realize the amount of energy that goes into adjusting to new circumstances. Mm. And so for the first three months that Ryan and I were traveling on our sailboat, and at that time we were sailing between Stockholm and the North Sea, we were exhausted. Like we were physically tired all the time because everything was so new. What kept you going? Obviously, so like you said, it was very hard, but obviously you kept pursuing it. So what was the main motivation behind it? What was what was the ideal outcome for you at that time like that you were looking forward to? It's funny that you say that because yesterday night I was watching old videos like from very early days. And, and it was the idea that one day we would be living in the sun in a tropical paradise with cocktails in our hands every night. And, and you know, that happened. Obviously, it happened at a price, right? It is a lifestyle that is very challenging, but, but the reward of this lifestyle is high. You do get to see much more of the world than 99% of people. You do get to experience countries and cultures in a way that you would never do as a regular tourist, living on a Saturday, staying, staying a week in the country, trying to visit everything that's in the guidebook. And then going back to your normal life, right? With our boat, we get to access places that nobody ever goes. We get to meet locals. We live like locals. We go to the same supermarkets. We go to the same bars, the same restaurants. We do the same things. And this way of traveling is so rewarding. Mm. And that is why, you know, that is why we're okay living a lifestyle that is very challenging. The way you just said it, all that, that makes me so, like it. It sounds super exciting. I love that. And obviously, this podcast is all about inspiring success. So this this be considered as a success of a lifestyle of of your dreams that you've achieved. So that's well done to that. That's bloody amazing. And I did, yeah, I, I know. Like we kind of went into like the the hard times and and how hard it was at the beginning but you know anything good worth doing is is it doesn't count without a sacrifice right yep otherwise so, everybody would do it yeah you know? absolutely now you mentioned videos so you guys have a youtube channel or what yeah we do okay it's called ryan and sophie sailing and and as i as i mentioned i thought about this name a lot before mm. i started it <laughs> <laughs> When, when we get started, so that's backtracking the band again, but I quit my job a year before we actually left Stockholm. And so I spent a year establishing a little bit of a freelance business and I wanted to go back to what I love the most, which is digital marketing. And so I was freelancing and make websites and social media marketing for my clients. And I make a point to always try to become better at what I do. And the year that we departed, I decided that I was going to try YouTube because I really wanted to know and understand the platform and what makes a good YouTube channel. Spoiler alert, the first times of me doing YouTube were not amazing. 
I was not great at it, but I, I just had this idea that I would make my friends laugh with a couple of videos. And so I started making them and I had a good laugh and I really enjoyed editing and cracking jokes on the camera. And eventually, you know, other people started to laugh at my questionable humor. And, uh, and a year later, I was like, man, this, this has potential. I could actually, you know, do it as a job. And you have this image of YouTubers being really big and really famous and making a lot of money. But when you get started, I mean, I'm not at this point, okay? <laughs> I can make a living with YouTube, but it's not like, woohoo. Uh, in the two first years of working full-time on YouTube, I, I made absolutely nothing. Ryan was paying for all of the expenses. But you can see your little baby grow and you make those connections with the people that watch your video and it's such a wonderful thing and it is the job the one job that I've had in my life that has had the most impact on other people and and to me that is the success that's the it's reward not, yeah it is not you know how much money I can make because uh, I really do not make a lot. And a lot of what we make, we, we put back in channel. It's not the amount of videos that I'm able to produce or how good they are, how good the production quality is. It is that impact that you make on people's lives. It's the emails that I receive every week telling me, I watched your video and now I bought a boat and this is amazing. Thank you. And you're like, wow, damn, that's, that's incredible. That's why I want to work. That's, to me, that makes sense. That has purpose. That has meaning. I love that. I love that. What's the channel? So Sophie and Ryan Sailing, is that how, it's, how people can find it on YouTube? Yeah, you should, you should just Google Ryan and Sophie. You Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> the same thing, you know, Sophie and Ryan, Ryan and Sophie, you, you will find us. because that's, that's our internet name. So you talk about, you know, income, like this is like your income generating uh, a way and it's not, you know, you're not going to become a millionaire, but it covers your expenses and it's, an allowing, and it's allowing you to make an impact for others, A, and then B, it's helping you cover yeah, some of the expenses. So at the end of the day, I mean, like you could either, yeah, make a lot of money, but be unhappy or have a lifestyle of your dreams, right? Like yeah. at the end of like the whole, the whole thing that like, uh, sometimes you hear it in, in a movie so you know when you're on your deathbed like what's the what's like are you gonna think about how much money you've got in bank account or are you gonna think about the, the experiences the life experiences you've had and and the impact on the people you've had so i think yeah. this is the right way this is the i mean yeah and and that's and that's perfectly aligned with what, what i believe a true success is as well like i mean having, having some financial freedom is great as well because it allows you to buy stuff but ultimately you want to you want to be able to have those experiences, go and yeah. explore the world. I think that ultimately, when I worked, I viewed success as making more money, being promoted, having the ability to buy a beautiful apartment in the center of the city, not having to count my money in terms of being able to go out, going out to dinner, buying clothes, go shopping. That was my vision of success. Uh, but that vision of success did not make me happy. It, it felt very empty. 
And since we've changed our lives to do something that we have chosen and that we love, we don't love it every day, granted. No life is perfect. But but I, I make no no less, like nowhere close to the money that I made when I was employed. But I feel so fulfilled and content with both life and work that it doesn't matter that, mm. you know, I feel that I can't buy clothes or that I should be careful how much I go out. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I get to go to my boat and count the amount of amazing places that I will get to visit in the coming two or three months. And that is, yeah, that is worth so much more than the difference between my current salary and my old salary. <laughs> Now, I want to talk about some realities behind the curtain kind of thing you know like i mean this all sounds pretty cool this this whole lifestyle but the way you're picturing it and and yeah it sounds amazing but like you said there's some some that sometimes it's not perfect so what would that be like what would be like a, a bad day living on the boat for you oh wow okay how much time do you have uh, a bad day often starts with sleep deprivation because that is a reality of the life that we live Our boat is like our baby. She is very much alive and she very much talks to us. We call her she. Her name is Paul Lucille. And she is a character in our lives. She breaks. She needs to be secured. So when we are at the marina, she needs to be properly secured. If she is not properly secured, the lines will creak. Her hull is going to chafe against the dock. The fenders that are those little inflatable things that protect us from the dock, they can, they can squeak. They can not be placed at the right place. And for us, that means that the boat breaks. And when the boat breaks, it's very expensive and it takes a lot of time. You mean like literally and like cracks in the, in the side? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's happened to us several times. And so you have to take the time and the money to do the repair. And that's, that would be a pretty minor break. But one day we were arriving in Antigua, beautiful island in the Caribbean. We were about to drop the anchor and all of a sudden right here is a pop coming from the windlass, which is this part of the boat that controls the anchor chain. So it takes it in and out of the water and the chain isn't budging anymore. And we realized that the windlass is completely corroded and it's a big part, you know, like imagine a big winch that has a chain wraps around it and it's disintegrating because of corrosion. And, and here we are in Antigua, in the Caribbean, and we have no way to take the anchor up or down. Uh, we had to do it manually and it's very heavy. So the boat talks to us and sometimes she's unhappy. Uh, sometimes she breaks. And if you have first sleep deprivation because the wind was really bad the night before, so you didn't get a good night of sleep because you were rolling, you know, at Anchorage and th the wind was really, really loud. On top of that, you have breakage. So something breaks and it's not only very inconvenient at the time that it breaks, it's also very expensive to fix. Now imagine that you're in a place where you cannot find replacement for the part that breaks. It means that you have to go somewhere else. So all the things that you wanted to do where you are, you're, you're not going to be able to do them because now the priority is to repair the boat. So you're missing all those places. That's happened to us many times. And now imagine that bad weather is coming. 
And I can make the lists very, very long, but essentially a bad day is a day that problems accumulate and and you're just and you just don't have the energy to, you know, deal with it with calm and zen. And those days happen, you know, those, those days happen more often than you'd imagine. And you need to develop a lot of emotional flexibility in order to to deal with those days full of resilience yeah because i was gonna ask them what keeps you going right well you need to be really kind to yourself and your partner realize that okay this time i went very far in my reaction to those events tomorrow is another day we will do better we're not always perfect. We will miss deadlines. We will miss our objectives. We will miss things that we really want to do, but we need to be okay with that. This is part of the life that we've chosen. And mm. so if we feel like giving up every time that something bad happens, then you know the negative aspects of the lifestyle disappear, but the rewards disappear as well. And they're too good. <laughs> and if, everything, if everything was just picture perfect all the time, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have what to compare it against. So it wouldn't feel as awesome. Yeah. And, you know, sailing has taught me something that I think is very valuable. And I think it's valuable for everyone in life. You know, I hate sailing in heavy weather, mm. you know, like big waves, really strong winds. It's very, very stressful. And I really do not like it. I don't think anybody really does. But in sailing, everything is temporary. The weather changes. You know, a storm that's coming is not going to look the same in six hours or in 12 hours. And so you have to wait and you have to just make it through those hours that are bad. And on the other side, you'll be okay. You'll arrive on land and everything will be fine. And this will just become a good story. And I think that this applies to everything in life. Like everything is temporary. So when you have a bad day, when everything breaks and you have to spend a lot of money to fix the problem and you miss a beautiful place at the same time, you have to remember that this is temporary. It's going to end. And on the other side, it, it will be better. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that resilience. And yeah, you're right. You just got to persist and, and it'll get better. Now, what does a good day look like? Just to let, like let us in, because I'm really curious. Like what, oh. what, like if I was to wake up on the boat, what, what could I expect from like a good day? And also, right. when you guys traveling, that's the other question you can answer later. But when, when you guys are sailing, how, how often would you change places? How long would you normally stay in, in a place and, and that sort of stuff? Oh, that's a million dollar question. But here is a good day. We just arrived in a beautiful place let's say italy we love italy italy is wonderful if you are to pick one travel destination in your life go to italy and portugal and cape verde we have we have a long list of beautiful places in the world but so you just arrived in italy the sail was good and you feel rested and relaxed now you're going to drop the anchor everything is going to go well you can blow up the dinghy which is the little boat that we take from our big boat to shore to go to this beautiful little harbor where there is a coffee shop waiting for you with a magnificent breakfast. And here you are sitting at the dock in the little harbor, a wonderful local breakfast with no tourists around you. 
and you can just sit there and contemplate how amazing life is. That is a good day. <laughs> nice. And knowing that freedom that at any point you can just go back on yeah. your dinghy to your main boat and move move locations. That's awesome. Exactly. I think that another very not underrated, but maybe not very talked about aspect of our lives is that we get to meet incredible people everywhere we go. And because we are this tight knit little community of sailors that we rely on each other because as I said, boat breaks, problems happen. And the community, the sailing community is always here to help each other and to meet each other. And so everywhere we go, there is a boat where we can invite the people to have drinks. And since we left the dock in Stockholm in 2018 and have been traveling the world on our sailboat, I have never met such a variety of different people because it doesn't matter what socioeconomic background we have, what kind of jobs we have, where in the world we come from or, or even how old we are, we all end up becoming friends. And there are, you know, people that are less nice than others, like everywhere, but generally sailors are really kind and generous people and super, super fun. So we have met amazing friends. So yeah, a good day also ends with uh, having drinks with your friends on their boat, watching the sunset. That's a cool thing. That sounds really nice. Yeah, that sounds really nice. And what about some of the things that you need to look out for? obviously some places that you might want to go and explore you might have to be a bit more cautious that maybe there's you know like the, the thing about somalia i know like there's pirates and little things like that not little yes, so, not, not, so every i would say every region of the world has its own risks risks and rewards so for example we started in the north sea and the baltic and there you know weather patterns can be very, very different. You know, you can have strong winds and storm. It can be really cold. In the North Sea, you also have a lot of uh, shallows. So you can be really far offshore and still hit sandbanks. And mm. as a matter of fact, the day before we sailed through that place, a boat that we followed on Instagram had not wrecked, but they got stranded and had to be uh, evacuated from the boat. And they had to spend a month at the yard repairing the boat that had been, well, not wrecked, but uh, stranded and damaged on a sandbank far offshore in the North Sea. Mm. But that is not a problem that you're going to encounter in the middle of the Atlantic or even the Mediterranean, right? So every region of the world come with its risks. And the thing with our life is that we're not going to visit several regions of the world at the same time. So we generally choose one region. So that would be either the Mediterranean or the Caribbean, the East Coast of the United States, or maybe the Pacific. And before we go there, we study the risk. And, and it, it's very, very different. And I know that this is a very vague answer to your question, but for every place that we choose to visit, we need to assess what are the different risks associated with this region. Absolutely. Mm. And do you have to have a... What about self-defense? Do you have to consider that too? No, not yet. So <laughs> self-defense against, yeah. We know friends that have crossed uh, the Red Sea and they hired mercenaries to protect the boat in case of problems. 
because this region is known for piracy. I mm-hmm. heard that it's getting better now, but we're not interested in going there. So we haven't really thought about it ourselves. Other friends of ours sailed to an island called Svalbard. Does that ring a bell? No. Okay, so Svalbard is a big island north of Norway. So it's. Uh, it, it, is it from? A, are you referring to some TV show here or something? No, 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 no. It's uh, <laughs> it's just friend of ours sailing, and okay. when you go to Svalbard, okay. what you need to defend yourself against are polar bears. So when you go to Svalbard, you need to have a rifle. You need because you need to defend yourself against against polar bear. And again, you know, it goes back to where in the world are you going to sail and travel and explore, and what are the risks associated with that. But typically, you know, in the regions that we sail, we're safe. Mm-hmm. So we never really had to think about it. Right. What about food? How do you handle food? Like, like you said, you don't always have you don't always have access to shopping. What are some so of the considerations we, there? Yeah. Do, you, do you fish a lot or? We do fish, though it also depends, you know. Okay, talking about risks again, but in the Caribbean, there is a toxin in fish, in reef fish, that's called the ciguatera. And the ciguatera is not a disease that you want to get. It attacks your, your immune system and the symptoms can be really terrible and also lifelong. So like you can get ciguatera once and be impacted for life. And because there are few resources in the Caribbean to study the toxin and the disease, it's very difficult to know what fish are safe or not. And so in the Caribbean, Ryan and I decided that we were not going to eat fish because we just don't know and we want to eliminate that risk. Now, when we cross the Atlantic and we go like anywhere else, we spend a lot of time fishing and we love eating our own fish. It's really fun. It's both entertaining and very tasty. But what we do on the boat in terms of, of the food is, well, first off, we had to learn to provision and to always keep a stock of food that we can have. So, you know, when COVID hit, people raided supermarkets to buy canned food and toilet paper. Well, we were already really well stocked. And the other thing that happens is that we get to learn about local foods and local cultures so we go to the local markets the farmers markets and the supermarkets and we look at what's available and what we can do with that and it's such a fun part of our lives so i've been italy i learned to make really good pizzas and you know what makes a good pizza in spain we were doing a lot of uh, different hams and a lot of tapas you know In the Caribbean, it was a little bit different because food supply there is not as abundant as it is in in Europe. But generally, where we go, we we tried the local food and it's really fun. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you not only get to explore locations, but also the food. It's like a gastro-tourism. That's awesome. Oh, Oh, absolutely. And right now we are in the Azores. I mean, the boat is in the Azores, which is a part of Portugal. Our next destination is Madeira. And if you want a food and wine destination, oh, Portugal is fantastic. Mm. Madeira um, wine, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Madeira, Madeira wine, port wine, you know, really being in Portugal, fantastic. Mm. And the food and the seafood in Portugal is really diverse and surprising and incredible. I love it. So, yeah, you want to eat and drink, 
Portugal is your place. <laughs> I love it. So, Sophie, you know, I'm sold. I'm like, I'm ready. What, what, Are you buying I, a boat, Vitz? Where do I sign? <laughs> tell me, how do I get started? <laughs> just just wait until I tell you how you have to flush the toilet on a boat. We'll see if you're still excited about it. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to hear about that. That's so good. I'll, I'll learn about it later. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I mean, this is so exciting, like hearing hearing about this lifestyle that you and Ryan live. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening right now. They, they kind of thinking the same like me right now. I'm like, this is actually something I... I I, w- I wouldn't mind to do, you know, even if it was like, and we've got, you know, me and my wife, we've got a nine months old son, so it would be, I guess, a bit more tricky with a kid, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe That's, you can tell it, me you that. Would be, you would be surprised how hmm. many people sail with babies and toddlers and kids. Yeah, well, okay, well, there you go. So, yeah, I could definitely see myself like, in, you know, talk my wife up to it and maybe in a couple of years to do it. So, and on the same token, there are probably a bunch of other people listening. So, what would be, I don't say a blueprint because everyone's circumstances are different, but obviously the biggest thing is the is is the investment. Like you need to buy a boat. So what are some of the considerations? Would that be the first thing to start with? For I you? would say before you even buy a boat, because there are so many different types of boats that you can buy, right? It'd be like buying a house. Where do you buy the house? How big is it going to be? How comfortable is it going to be? Is it going to be a house that you have to completely uh, overhaul? Or is it a house that's, you know, turnkey? So you have to consider all those things. So my biggest tip for somebody who wants to do what we did and is starting from scratch is first learn how to sail, go on different boats, you know, go on boats that you are interested in, you know, the type of boats that you would want to buy and try to try uh, as many different boats as you possibly can and build up a little bit of experience sailing because changing lifestyle from going from land-based to sailing full-time is so much more difficult when you have no idea how to sail. We've known people who've done it, Absolutely. You know, it exists, Mm. Um, but that is personally not what I would choose to do because it would be so difficult. So, so yeah, if you want to buy a boat before buying a boat, I would recommend trying different boats, like actually go out and sail with them, go to boat shows, find your crowd, find people like me and Ryan, you know, we're, we're not unique. There are so many different people living on boats. So so find those people and ask questions. The sailing community is super open and, you know, always very helpful. So, yeah. And then once you figure out what it is that you like about those different boats and what type of budget you have to buy your boat and what you expect out of the boat that you're going to buy, then, yeah, go for it. And also, what about what about the planning? Like, how would somebody decide, you know, how long how long am i going for how long am i going to do this lifestyle for is that is that something that you can like plan for or how did you guys do it yeah. did, you, did you say to yourself we're going to do it for five years and then we'll we'll get we'll get back to regular or or what no there were two ways of doing it three ways i mean it's very flexible it sounds like we have our, our shit figured out and it's just not the case but uh a lot of people will save for many years so that they can do this for one or two years Mm-hmm. And when Ryan and I got started, we initially thought that we were going to get ourselves remote jobs and then we were going to try it, try the lifestyle for six months. Oh, that was three years ago. Uh, so that worked well for us. 
<laughs> so no, today our philosophy is we're going to do it for as long as we think that it's fun and as long as we can afford it. But we know that a lot of other people are more, okay, we're going to do this for one year. And those are the places that we will be visiting over the course of the one year. We're a lot more, yeah, we'll go where the wind takes us. If this is fun, we'll stay. If this is not fun, we'll leave. <laughs> and the day that we feel that we are too tight money-wise or we just don't enjoy it anymore, then we'll just consider stopping. But we're far from that. Now, if you did get to that point, what is the resale value typically on boats? Is that that that's another thing to consider, right? As well, like if you're gonna do this, if you if you you know that you have an end an end an end date to it, like if you're only gonna do it for a year or, or two. I'm not sure about boats, but I'm like it's not like a real estate of houses that value goes up. I would assume the boats the value is going down, isn't it? Yeah, you have to think of it more like a car, you know, yeah. <laughs> and also boats break. So the value of your boat can dramatically decrease if you've had, you know, a grounding with it, but it can also increase if you add equipment to it. So a boat is a terrible investment. You know, you buy yeah. a boat, you're not going to make money. You have, you buy a boat because you're getting something out of it. Right. And maybe hopefully you can get your capital back. I will say something interesting that is happening in the boat market these days is that everybody wants to buy boats. COVID-19 has made the boat market absolutely explode. And it's actually really hard and difficult to find sailboats these days. And it, when I look at the prices, I'm like, are you serious? Like that much money for that kind of boat? So yeah, uh, absolutely unbeknownst to us and due to circumstances, the value of our boat has actually increased in the last year and a half. But yeah. it's, 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 it's artificial and absolutely temporary. <laughs> uh, temporary, yeah, that's right. I was going to say it's just a short window. And if you did want it to, you'd have to do it now because that demand's going to drop again. So what about COVID? How did you guys do with that? Did you have to, was it, was it some, yeah. you know, regulate, like, was there something by government for, 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 the, for the boat people? Or was it kind of like, just like, where were you parking? I mean, docking, and then you had to kind of align with those local rules. And I would assume. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's another Pandora box. But so how well you fared during COVID-19, during the pandemic and the lockdowns, really depending on where you were, what country you were in, and down to the city that you were at. Mm. And Ryan and I did not win the lottery on that one because, you know, both people are an afterthought, right? Like we were tourists, technically, but during confinements and lockdowns, there were not supposed to be any tourists anywhere, right? And on top of that... So it's a category know, in its own, really. How, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exa exactly. So we were not locals, but also, you know, we had certain needs because of the nature of what we do. Needs that the local government sometimes had a hard time addressing. So, for example, in uh, 2020, you know, the pandemic started in, in March. That's when we started seeing all those big lockdowns and travel restrictions everywhere. We were in St. Martin in the Caribbean, which sounds absolutely lovely and gorgeous. But the reality of the experience was very, very different. We were stuck in an inland lagoon, which sounds lovely, but that's where all the sewage of the island went. So it was everything but cl crystal clear blue. And we couldn't go out because to get in that inland lagoon, you had to go through bridges. And because of the lockdown, those bridges were not operated. So we were effectively stuck. Now, 
St. Martin was hit by Hurricane Irma in 2017. So there were wrecks all around us on top of, you know, sewage. It was not a pretty landscape. It's not the, mm. the coconut trees and the white sandy beach. Also for us, it was a 45 minutes dinghy ride to go to shore, to the grocery store, because it was forbidden for us to put the dinghy anywhere else but at designated docks. So for us, going to shore was extremely difficult. So we stayed most of the time on board. And then on top of that, we were also surveilled by um, the police. You know, the first time that we saw the police coming on anchor, we thought that they were here to protect us because during Irma, there was a lot of looting in St. Martin. And we were getting, we were a bit afraid, you know, that with everything locked down and the boats being effectively locked in the lagoon, there would start to be some robberies happening. But the police was not here to, to make sure that we were okay. They were here to make sure that we were not going on other people's boats. They were counting dinghies at the back of each boat. And so the entire atmosphere was just completely surreal. Also very quickly, there were COVID deaths on boats in the, in the anchorage. One, one man and his wife got infected and he had to be rep repatriated to the United States and subsequently died. And so, you know, the atmosphere in the anchorage, in the boat community, which are the only people that we talk to because we're completely disconnected from the locals. It was very mm. tense. It was very anxious. And on top of that, because, you know, no problem happens alone. We had hurricane season coming. And hurricane season came very early in 2020. So, and, and we had nowhere to go because borders were closed. There, there was nowhere. For I was going to ask, go. so you could not just like undock and go to somewhere else? No. Not allowed. So, not allowed. so leisure, leisure cruising, pleasure cruising was forbidden uh, during the lockdown in St. Martin. And so we couldn't even move our boat. We couldn't change anchorage. That changed thankfully, back in May, April or May, I believe. So we could escape. We, we were eventually able to leave the lagoon and feel a little more free. But, but apart from that, no, we had, we had nowhere to go because borders were shut and hurricane season was coming. So it was a bit nerve-wracking for a moment. So you say in April, so April last year, not this year, you weren't there for a whole year. No, back in April, we were on lockdown again, but this time in Bonaire, which was a very different experience. But yeah, no, we, we've been confined on board two times now. Mm. How about that? Just you and, and your partner on a boat, always, you know, just that same person. Do you ever get, you know, like that submarine, what they call it, submarine disease? Like, you know, just you don't get to see anybody else. Do you ever go mad from... from <laughs> I think that we live in a permanent state of submarine disease. <laughs> no, of course, you know, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to live with your partner 24 seven all the time. And it's only the two of you, you know, there is no, I'm going to go have a beer with my friends tonight and mm. I'll see you later, or I'm going to go to work and I'll talk to my colleagues all day and I'll see you later. You know, there is none of that. We spend all of our time together, which creates tensions obviously because we're not always the best versions of ourselves let's face it and also in our lives we have to feel all the roles for each other you know like when you look at your life you have your friends that are your confidence and then maybe you have a therapist or you have a friend that acts therapist you have a problem with you know like a health problem you go to the doctor or a nurse you know 
we are everything for each other. We are coworkers, doctors. When we actually need medical attention, we, we go to a professional healthcare provider, right? But I'm, I'm the first line nurse. We are therapists, uh, psychologists. We are confidants. We are also coworkers, you know, on the boat. When we take the boat from point A to point B, we are effectively working together. Sometimes with the YouTube channel, we also work together. And, uh, and we do all that in 15 square meters. Mm. A very small space, a space that moves. So no, we're not always, we're not always friends. Let's put it this way. <laughs> but all in <laughs> but all, okay. all in all, would you say that your relationship is even stronger as a result of, of doing this experience than it would be if oh, you didn't? Yeah, absolutely. This lifestyle really tests the resilience of your relationship. It is very, very, very difficult. There are days that I want to leave the boat. There are days where I want to leave the boat. But we have learned that first off, we need to be kind to our relationship in terms of accepting that sometimes it's going to go south. And we have learned to take a step back and, and deal with our conflicts. And so when you survive, I'm going to quote unquote survive, but when you go through all of these things together at the end of the day you go to land and you're like i could not do life with somebody else because we can go through so much and at the same time knowing that we have each other's back you know and how many people on earth are there that you're going to be able to travel the world on a tiny little sailboat with for multiple years probably not that many <laughs> and if you can do that you can probably do a lot so yeah that's amazing. Some, yeah. Sometimes yeah. he drives me nuts, but I, I still love him very, very deeply. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think you're totally right. Like, I mean, in any relationship, if if you if you've gone through some tough time together, whether it be on a boat or in whatever circumstances, by overcoming those challenges together, I truly believe that's what makes your relationship stronger. And and if you've got something that you 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 can relate, you can come back to those memories together and. And I think your whole relationship becomes more, more enriched and deep, not, not just uh, some kind of a shallow, you know, yeah. dating thing with somebody that you see once a week and uh, whatever. Yeah. So this is great. Yeah. I have to say that I make it sound like we're making it work and it's easy. But one thing that we have in our lives that has been absolutely instrumental to Ryan and I working together is our couples counselor. We started seeing a couple counselor before we moved on the boat for something completely unrelated because, you know, Ryan is American, I'm French, we live in Sweden and we don't have family in Sweden and we felt that we needed to talk to somebody who could help us work out something. Mm -hmm. And we ended up, we've been working with her for five years now. Uh, so she's been in our lives for a very long time. And moving on the boat, you know, having that card that we can play when we feel that we're stuck, you know, we're stuck in a discussion, in a conflict yeah. or in a disagreement. And we're like, all right, well, let's bring it up in, in therapy. Let's call uh, Veronica. Our therapist name is Veronica. And knowing that you're going to be working it out, working the problem out, that there is an outlet, it releases the pressure at a level that is incredible. And, you know, it's not done yet. Like you still have to actually work it. But knowing that there is a willingness on both sides to work it out is just, wow. And that's so, the first step, yeah. that willingness. Because you, you, you might have a conflict. You might have a different point of view to, to your partner. 
and yeah, at the end of the day, you just need to sometimes bring bring in that mediator, that 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 somebody in the middle who can listen to both sides yeah. and help you kind of both meet meet halfway, and then and then happy exactly. days. Exactly. And while and while you talk through the problem, you cannot sound like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you, you have, have to, to be, be civilized. And yeah, objective. because there's a third person, you have to be and respectful and all that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. um, mm, awesome. Well, Sophie, that was well. Thank you so much for sharing all this and sharing with our listeners. You know, I was I was really excited to have you on on the show today and and you know share this whole lifestyle with us. And yeah, so thank you for that. Now, on a parting of this episode today, what would be top three key takeaways that you'd like our listeners to walk away with after listening? Okay. Three takeaway. First off, if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking about a lifestyle change, you know, it can be moving on a sailboat or as I said, moving on a farm or moving abroad, starting to travel, quitting your job to start your own business, you know, whatever it is that you have in, in mind at the time that you're listening to this, explore it. Take the time to explore it. And then the second thing would be act on it. And it doesn't mean that you need to go from one day to the other and, and do that thing that you're thinking about. But it's taking small commitments towards that vision that you have. And it doesn't need to be, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow, but it can be, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to meeting other people that are doing what I do and, and take their opinions. You know, small commitments towards your vision. And then the third thing is really... Ask yourself, you know, when you're old, what is the story that you want to tell about your life? You know, do you want to tell the story of how you continue to do something? Or do you want to tell the story of how you tried this thing that you had, you know, a vision of? And maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but you've tried it. So yeah, those would be, if you're listening to this, those, those are my three takeaways. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. You don't want to live a life of regrets at the end. I mean, no. I mean, you don't want to have regrets at the end when, when you, when you, when you reflect back no. on your life. Absolutely. Build stories, not regrets. <laughs> Build stories, not regrets. I love it. Awesome. So Sophie, amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, for those of you guys listening, make sure you go check out Ryan and Sophie's YouTube channel. So that's Ryan Sophie. That's actually youtube.com forward slash. There's a C there. Okay. Let's just go. Go on YouTube and <laughs> look up Ryan Sophie Sailing. There's also a website you can go to, which is ryanandsophie.com in one board, where you can find out more about their, their latest um, adventures. And yeah, and that's it, guys. So thank you. And once again, thank you, Sophie. I appreciate you t uh, jumping on. And I know you had to sort of uh, get into a co-working space to jump on this on this Zoom with me so we can record it. So I appreciate that. And for those guys listening, thank you for listening for today's episode on the Success Inspired Podcast. If you've enjoyed this interview, then please share it with your mates that you think would also benefit from, from listening. For any show notes, links, and extra tips to help you accomplish more in life and realize your potential, please go to successinspiredpodcast.com. That's successinspiredpodcast.com. Thank you and have a great rest of your day, everybody.